Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. And we're back. We're back. We're back. We're back. I feel like (laughs) that felt a little half-hearted. I'm not gonna lie. I know. Well, you know, first of all, I spent the morning, me and Supergirl, cleaning the house. Wait, I just woke up. You already had a whole day. (laughs) I know. I woke up early, and I was like, I don't even know how I was able to convince Supergirl um, to clean without like her, like without any pushback. And I was just like, you know, because her, her father left early to, um, he's working overtime. So I woke up and I said, oh, you know what we should do? We should clean the house so it could be clean when he gets back. And she agreed. And I was like, who is this person? Because this is not the girl from yesterday. Is it a full moon? <laughs> I know. Men- I heard Mercury's in retrograde. I don't actually know what that means. And me either. It's just something about, I don't know, all my hotep friends are like, it just means that communication is not going to be as clear. But she did the dishes. She, she, um, she's like, can I do it the Supergirl way? Which just meant filling all the cups of with water and playing a game. I was like, "Well, let's do it the regular way." Because <laughs> <laughs> let's do it the way in which things get done. Exactly. I told her because if you do it that way, we're gonna run out of water. She's like, "People run out of water." I was like, "All the time." Oh God! I first, know. First world baby. I know. <laughs> so yeah, so I'm just like, oh, I am a little bit tired, but I'm excited because we had such an awesome dinner yes we did friday was our brown ambition anniversary dinner and i was really impressed all the girls showed up you never know when you make make plans with six strangers (laughs) if they're gonna show up i was surprised i'm not surprised but i was i don't know pleasantly just like elated and we had such a good time i was like wow this is good food good drinks good company good conversation it was like the best it was like what I wish all networking events were, which is just small little groups yes. where you can really get to know each other. And uh, you did a really good job of keeping the conversation flowing, of asking everyone kind of like what they were up to. All the women were so amazing. I was like, what? How did we find this group of like awesome? <laughs> I mean, we knew that. We knew our listeners would be kind of dope. <laughs> but uh, so shout out to Maxine. She came all the way from North Carolina, which well, was amazing. To New York. To New York from North Carolina. Um, and we had the twins, Nasenga and Nazinga, who are amazing, both like dope artists. One, yeah. I didn't, what, I think it was Nazinga who was on Project Runway. I have it to, was. I have to go find that, that sh- she was on season, season 13. 13. I'm like, what? Celeb. I know. Amazing. And then her sister, Nasenga, who's like a photographer and just got a big grant to work on a big art installation. Um, and then we had Kristen who transitioned, what was she doing before marketing at a financial firm? And now she's a special education teacher. Yeah. 
just what an oh and then miss janelle who came all the way from long island which yes. is basically another state even though yeah. it's not <laughs> what does janelle do i know she just had a baby 18 months ago janelle works at a university okay i think in administration yeah and she just literally popped out a child <laughs> and made and made time found a sitter came to new york city from long island just i'm just so glad everyone got together and then the other girls were from brooklyn like they really they went out of their way we know what that subway system is like yeah it was really awesome and then my friend i brought my my best friend linda which is which you know it was so hilarious that because you know like we talk all the time but you don't i don't remember half the stuff you know i say and the fact that the girls because i i had spoken about linda on the show were like oh yeah we know you linda and then and i was like oh my god linda was like y'all that was so awesome that <laughs> they knew me from the show and i'm like oh my god Honestly, it blew my mind when we like even when we talk. I don't think about people listening. I'm just talking to Mandy. I know. So for those of you who are kind of like, huh, we had a, it, it was our one year anniversary dinner. Yes, and it was yeah. magical. Yes, and we invited some of our most avid uh, listeners, and they came out, and we had dinner on us. Oh, and we had the cutest cupcakes that Mandy ordered with our faces on them. I love seeing your mother in laws. Um, um, reaction. Oh my God. Isn't she the, she's so cute. <laughs> yeah. She is. If you guys, if you guys don't, you don't have to follow me, but you have to go to my Instagram page. It's Mandy with an I money and watch uh, my mother-in-law's reaction to the cupcakes with me and Tiffany's faces on them. Yeah. It was so cute. You don't have to know Spanish. It's pretty, it's pretty yeah, universal. Like, oh my God. Basically. Oh my oh God. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah. She's so cute. Who's that, my friend? You're like, how do you say business? <laughs> what I didn't, so I the cupcakes had the logo, which we took over a year ago, um, about a year, well, of course, a year ago, um, when my hair, that was like maybe the last time I wore my hair kind of straight and um, before I went all curly all the time, big hair, whatever. What I didn't show in that video is the minute fiance cut the camera, she said, oh, Mandy, put your hair back like this. It looks so nice. Like, of oh, course. only mother-in-laws. I know. No, mother-parents too. Because my parents always like, my dad's always like, you know, your mom's hair is so pretty and straight. You should try that. I'm like, daddy, honestly, it's been like 30 years. It's too late. <laughs> I know. Like, I've, I had a perm literally two years out of my 36 years of life. I've had a perm. I had a perm for two years. That was it. I think I got it like right before I went to college and my hair promptly fell out. And I was like, okay, never again. Just <laughs> I was, for me. <laughs> I, know, exactly. I lost it because I was watch, I was listening to the Another Round. Just shout out to Another Round. Um, it was just Tracy this week and she interviewed Ava DuVernay. <gasps> that was the most brilliant combination ever. I was jealous because I'm not going to lie. I've been trying to get Miss Ava on our show, but it's going to happen soon. It will. But uh, she sang the entire Just For Me commercial. Like, That's it was true. pretty impressive. But yeah. If you <laughs> haven't any- had your, your scalp burned and your edges removed from your head by Just For Me, then you don't know what life is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm so glad that I'm perm-free. But yeah. So all that to say that uh, parents and parents-in-law are judgy. Yes. Very judgy. Speaking Lo- of... Lovey we- and judgy. I was going to say, um, like, honestly... So Lovey, for those of you who don't know, she was a guest on our show. Awesomely Lovey. If you're not following her, you're not living. She is like everywhere. I'm just so proud of her. Like, I'm glad we got in early. What? Literally everywhere I go. There yeah. is. She is yeah. there she on is. TV. She's on my web. She's on every web page I go to or my social media feed. The book is blowing up. I got my book. Um, I've been reading it. It's pretty funny. So I, I know. And you know, it's so crazy. I cannot find my Kindle because I ordered it for Kindle. 
Oh, and did I'm, you? Yes, and I cannot find. This is my third lost Kindle. If I lost it, I'm like, where's? Oh, you my lost Kindle? your whole entire Kindle. Oh. I always lose my daggone Kindle, but I'm like, it has to be here. It has to be. It's in the house somewhere. It's I hope somewhere. They I know. Need, they need a little homing device. I know. I wonder if there is one, but I just. It wouldn't be like literally. It's called Tiffany's Third Kindle. <laughs> the book <laughs> is funny. She's very. She gets a little raunchy, and I'm like on. The, <laughs> I'm on the train, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Okay, we're going there. We're going right, right there. At page twenty-five. Um, no, it's it's funny stuff. I was cracking up, but the the title of the book, if you don't remember, it's "I'm Judging You: The Do Better Manual." Yes, I can't wait. By um, Lady Ajayi. Yes, if I can only find my, my Kindle. But yeah, there's people. Lovey said something that I think was hilarious. That's what I love about her. She was like, honestly, I would hate to hate me right now because I'm everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody made a meme of that. You ever think about that? Like, I don't really, unless it like comes up, of people who are like mad at you or unhappy with you or just, you know, I don't really believe in haters. You know, when people say like, oh, I got haters. I'm like, do you really? You know, you know? There is a chapter, one of the chapters in her books, it's really funny because this, so I have a column for Teen Vogue that I do and my, this is my 10th column and I've been wanting to write this for a while and I wrote the five types of friends that you should avoid a life, avoid mm. in life. It should have been the five types of frenemies. And then in Lovey's, like in the big, like very early on in her book, she talks about the friendship personalities of people who need to do better that like are kind of toxic in our life. And it was, it was funny that there was that overlap, but we both talk about the friend who like kind of wants you to not do well like it's really overly competitive and yeah. i feel like you know it's not that these people like tech like they're not wishing for you to they're not like tanya harding they're gonna like whack you with the steel bar yeah. <laughs> before <laughs> but it's i think it comes from a place of like insecurity yes and you could be i mean you can get you can get upset at them or whatever or you know when you they send that negative energy your way but I just try and think of it as like well okay they're a little insecure it's very competitive right now it's never been more competitive because literally you can be everywhere because we didn't have social media um or Facebook or Instagram and all that kind of crap you know even a few years ago um so it's really hard to see your your peers doing amazing things and you may feel like a little you know left behind no it is I mean I honestly it is easy to to get caught up. I mean, to me, I found that the the best cure for, oh, I, you know, I call it not, not jealousy, but like, oh, I wish I was doing better. You know what I mean? Like it, some, I might look at someone and not be like, oh man, I want what she has. But instead it kind of makes me say like, ah, oh, like, what am I doing wrong? I, I got to do better, you know? And then, but I've learned that, well, one of the things I do is I, I like unfollowed folks that, kind of put me in that mind frame not because they did anything wrong but for whatever reason it was a trigger for me to to compare myself and then find myself lacking I'm like simply that's not healthy There's yeah. nothing, you know so then I, I learned I said at first I used to try to tough it out and say no you're gonna follow them and you know when even when you feel like that you're gonna work through it then I realized that's not working <laughs> so I would still we're still friends but I unfollowed their um, notifications so that way I could just like live and enjoy like what I'm doing and I mean, I'm, I'm sure that's something, you know, that's definitely something I want to work on on that side. But I'm not going to throw myself in the fire. There's plenty of tests in life. Unfollow, you know, yeah. we can be friends, you know, like this. I think you also like, you have to think of people as humans. Like, I know how much I leave out. I'm not putting on Instagram that I just had a drop down, drag out fight with my fiance or that, you know, I was rude to the guy at Dunkin Donuts because I was in a hurry and he got my order wrong. 
you know, like you don't show the worst part of yourself on social media. Right. And I know I leave a lot of crap out, you know, all my, you know, my flaws and stuff. And if I just remind myself that there's, you know, there, people have so many issues that you don't put on. I, I had a conversation with someone close to me. Uh, and I know what's happening in her life right now. And you go to her social media feed and, you know, she had just, this is a long, long time ago, um, um, a different friend. She had posted something. So I knew that day that she had had a really bad breakup with the guy she was seeing. And the next day she posted these roses and she was like, I'm just so happy with life and like everything is fine. And I was like, mm, yeah, not, mm. <laughs> I don't, you know, I, it makes me sad because I don't want I, you shouldn't feel like you have to yeah. put up a, a strong social media front, you know, yeah. to keep up whatever illusions. I mean, that's life now. And honestly, I find myself when I, when I look at my social media feed, I know when when things are hard because I go quiet. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, me too. You know what I mean? that, that's what I tend to do. Not not so much like and even it's not even sometimes when things are bad. When if I'm like really overwhelmed, like right now, I just was like, as I was cleaning, I said, OK, Tiffany. We have to do better. Like you're doing, there's so many amazing things and I'm trying to do them all. And this morning I realized you're not doing them well. <laughs> and I've just been so, and it's not even like I'm overwhelmed because I'm like, things are good. So I can't even complain. But it's just that like I was, I was cleaning the house. It hit me. When's the last time you cleaned the house? You know? And I thought, okay. And so I have not, I mean, I'm not usually, you know, like when, when things are kind of light and I'm, it's, airy and whatever I post a whole lot and when I'm either overwhelmed or just like not feeling good you know then I don't post at all I'm just kind of like silent I'm just a silent watcher but yeah I just go ahead and post that picture of you elbow deep in the sink with your pjs on let let America know the truth (laughs) I know right (laughs) right it's just that yeah but I mean it social media does have you thinking that like you know everyone has this perfect and even though you know that that's not true it's hard not to see. I was like, oh, this is what I wanted to say. So, you know, did we talk about Nicole last week? The teacher? No, Nicole um, Bitchy, who ha- who's now XO Nicole, Nicole Kane. Oh, no, I don't. No, no. What's up okay, with her? Nicole, this is a perfect example of that. So have you heard of Nicole Bitchy? Like she had a website? No. Okay. Oh, you haven't? Wow. So, so I Nicole- mean, maybe, but I never read it. No, no, I never read her website either. But Nicole Bitchy was like um, huge. She was a big celebrity gossiper, especially for brown folks. That's not her real name, is it? No, her name is Nicole Kane. Okay. But Nicole Bitchy was was really, it was um, indicative of like the kind of stuff on the site, like gossip, mm. gossip, you know. Mm-hmm. And so it did really well. I mean, like really well. I mean, she was all over. She was invited. She's a beautiful woman too. Invited to red carpets, all this kind of stuff. So this is a woman who's getting millions of hits a month. And then uh, last year, she kind of, and I think probably before last year, she had a change of heart and was like, what am I really doing? This is not contributing to society. So she shut down her wildly. She was like the go-to gossip um, site for, for black celebrities, basically. And she shut it down last year. And she reemerged this year with XO Nicole, which was really supposed to be an empowerment website for women of color. And I actually wrote a few articles. Oh, that I've heard of. I've I've heard XO Nicole. Mm-hmm. So it was formerly Nicole Bitchy. So she just did a video, maybe like a week or so ago, or basically where she's like, I'm broke and darn and almost homeless, that mm. she did not anticipate how hard the transition was going to be. Mm. And that, you know, that the readers, not that the readers don't want to hear good news, but that's a different reader. 
Like, yeah, they don't throw. They don't like. I mean, people consume negative blogs yeah. like they do tabloids, like with the with the fervor, like yeah. like like a Pac Man just chomping up those little bits. It's like gives them more energy or something, or it fuels something in them. Good and news it, is people don't want to hear good news, but it's like if I kept if I was coming to you for gossip and I come back to your website and now it's all sunshine and lollipops. I'm like, because mm. I wondered why I wrote an article and it was it was about credit. Girl, the comments were vicious because her readers were so used to were so used to being negative and mean. I'm like, what? What is happening in these comment sections? And I just I didn't realize that like, wow, it it was just a, a culture that she had created, and she was trying to bring those people along, but it was like they could not make the transition. And so she just talked about how. Because you go to her social media, this is a woman who travels all over the world. I mean, like I said, she's beautiful, and you would think everything was great. And I thought that her um, YouTube video, if you guys get a chance, just type in Nicole Kane, you know, YouTube or whatever. I think it's called I Am Nicole, her um, YouTube channel, where she basically talks about that, you know, she was putting up a front and being an entrepreneur is hard, and she didn't manage her money well. And maybe we could talk about that if we don't have a question about what does that look like when you have your own business or, you know, you're making a transition what money things can people do to put themselves in place to not go through that? Because I'm sure that she has seen a ton of money, but now it's no longer here. And she said when she first moved, her parents passed away when she was younger and she moved in with her aunt eight years ago to try to make her dream happen. And she had to call her aunt again eight years later after traveling the world and running the super successful site and ask her, is my room still available? And I thought, wow, just a good lesson of social media, money, entrepreneurship all wrapped into one. Mm. Well, I hope she gets back on her feet. Yeah, I think and I think she will. To I me, want I, good news to win. Exactly. And plus, too, I always think this, that if the work you put in to get there, that that personality is still in you. You know, that you, you know, it, it wasn't easy to get where to, she got to, even though Nicole Bitchy might not have been, um, you know, helping society. But still, you put that same hustle and effort back in to create your new reality, you know? Um. When you first said Nicole, I don't know if this is actually the teacher's name, but there was, did you see all the hot teacher debate last week? Yes. What did you think? <clears throat> well, I wanted to hear what you think because you were a teacher. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, this is how I found out from my friend Jess, you know, the Beyonce hater. Whenever I get like a, a long text from Jess, I'm like, what has happened now in the news? And she went on and on about this teacher. Um, so I don't know her name, but she was a, she's a school, uh, an elementary school, like, She's not a teacher. She's like a teacher's assistant or something, I think. But she wears these tight sort of body hugging. She's very curvy. looks great. But she wears these very tight dresses to work. And she's become known for like being the hot teacher. And I don't know how these pictures got out on the internet. But they are. And of course, everyone's dragging her and saying that this is inappropriate, too sexy for, you know, a young school teacher. You know, I would not wear that to my job with grownups personally but that's yeah. per that's me personally like I wouldn't wear tight stuff like that to work um and I've always thought the you know I think you should feel I think what you wear is you know is really important when you're going into a job especially when you're doing things you know you and I do public speaking and things like that and I think how you look it you know in, influences you and, and how you feel and can make you really confident and that's important but at the same time I've always thought if people are focusing on what I'm wearing they're not going to be focused on what I'm saying and the work that I'm doing so um, personally I always thought it was it's better to I don't know have the right balance 
like yeah. dressing your age and looking young and and stylish but then also being taken seriously i mean i mean i'll say this it was because not every not every outfit because you know they showed a bunch of them not every outfit of hers to me um was and i hate to use the word inappropriate it was specifically to me the pink she had this pink dress that was really body it was definitely covered like it went to her knees but it was body hugging like you know you could almost see like the v yeah that's the one i saw yeah you know that's the one everyone's leading with yeah because but there were other dresses she had that were like you know you could tell i mean she has the type she's a beautiful woman she has the type of body no matter what she wears, you're going to see she has a body, which is fine. Because you, that's your body. Because I have a behind. Like, no matter what I wear, honestly, like, you see my behind. But I know that. And <clears throat> as a teacher, like, that pink one, I mean, people were like, oh, you just... Because what people did was they showed other women with the same dress on with different body types. Uh-oh, and, sorry. Can you hear that? No. What was that? Never mind. A clip just started playing automatically on my computer. Uh. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> <laughs> so they showed other women with different, like uh, skinny and slim, or not that she's not slim, but other body types that wore the same dress and it looked obviously different on them. The thing I say is this: that pink dress, I didn't think it was appropriate. I was a teacher for a number of years, and that doesn't make me an authority, but I didn't think it was appropriate. It was skin tight, Mandy. I mean, skin tight. I'm was, looking at it. it. There were other outfits she had that were really cute, still showed her curves, and. They were just like, okay, these are, um, I have curves, so no matter what, you're going to see them. But these are dresses that I thought were basically appropriate. But that skin tight pink dress, that was a club dress. And to me, it's not um, curve shaming. You know, people are like, oh, black women's bodies are always, girl, I have a big old behind. I've always had a big old behind. And I know that. And so there are certain things, for example, when I play tennis, like my skirt was always up in the back and I play tennis with a lot of girls who didn't have behind. So there were certain sizes that I wore. Maybe I might wear something, you know, I wore tights under my skirt because I knew my body type. That's the thing. It's not about body shaming. It's like, like, I don't think skin tight is appropriate no matter what your body type. You might have no boobs, no butt, but if it's still super skin tight, I don't think it's appropriate for school. Sorry. Like, there are places for that. And I just, you know, because a bunch of my friends were like, no, I just think, no, girl, it's not appropriate for school. Because what do you, what is, what's the purpose of that? Are you, like, trying to attract a fourth grader? Like, you know? You know, they're so, those those little boys are so confused. Yes. I know. I mean, which is. <laughs> it's just all the hormones are just starting to, like, perk up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I just didn't. Yeah, I it's thought just that such that. A, it's an awkward debate to have, right? Because you don't want to be sexist. And then yeah. you don't want to body shame, but you do. I mean, from a career you perspective, have to, you have to know, you know, your body. It's like saying that you're uh, my friend is five, five and I'm six foot. And, you know, we both are wearing this like, you know, we're both a size six and we're both wearing the same medium skirt. But the medium skirt on me looks like a mini skirt because I'm so tall. And on her, it goes to her knees. And you're like, well, we were in the same skirt. Don't shame me because my legs are long. Girl, like, honestly, let's not be foolish. <clears throat> That's the part that pisses me off because it's like, well, how come this, this super skinny girl can wear it and she can't? You know your body. Certain things, if I'm taller than this shorter girl and we were in the same size skirt if, and it comes to the, the bottom of my behind, it's not appropriate. I don't care that we're wearing the same size. And we're wearing, I'm not being body shamed. It's just that this is... I have to know my body and dress appropriately for where I work. 
because she also had pictures of her like you know going out and going to the club in very similar dresses so what does that tell you that you think club gear is is um is the same as you know teacher gear like i said all of her outfits were not inappropriate but i found that one to be it was skin tight it yeah. wasn't about her body it was just skin tight and just i don't know i'm just like whatever and they showed a picture of a guy with his like tattoos out and like i don't know and they were like well what about this teacher he's a man is this appropriate no it, <laughs> like, it just it comes down to workplace attire and yeah. you should know to dress for your place of work like i said i work I would never wear something super sexy to work. It just doesn't feel appropriate. I would feel uncomfortable. Like, you know, you stick out in a workplace sometimes if you wear, you know, if you wear something super sexy and like, I don't know, it just, and, and I think it's important for young women to know. I think that, you know, I got a question one time from a young girl who was, I got, you know, I helped her get an internship in New York City and she was like, man, what do I wear in the office? And I was like, that's a good question. <laughs> you is. should read the room and see what kind of attire is appropriate. Um, because the thing is, you can wear whatever you want. People forget this, that like, fine, wear that. But then you're going to be treated a, a certain way. Like, that's what people don't get, that you can do whatever you want. But then then those those people around you will judge you as a result. So, yes, wear skin tight if you like. But then, you know... That's, you know, people are going to look at you a certain way. And the truth of the matter is, and people forget this, especially people who are not teachers. I'm sorry, but when you're a teacher, there is a, you are held to a higher standard. Like there are certain things that I could not do on my social media or I could lose my job as a teacher. So it's not just like, oh, you can wear whatever you want. This is, no, no, this is not corporate America. That it is made very clear that when you are a teacher, that even your personal life, oops, sorry, look at this, I'm asking. Yeah, maybe it was laundry day. You know, even your person. She had nothing else to wear. <laughs> and like I said, she's a beautiful woman. And I'm not, you know, people are like, oh, people are hating. No, girl, I got it behind. I don't have I don't have the top part like she has. I'm like, girl, we can switch though. But <laughs> but no, I think that she is absolutely drop dead gorgeous. Hey, but did I just become like a 40 year old soccer mom? I was like, it's the message you're giving to children. <laughs> I just think the children. <laughs> I think any kid who watches the VMAs has already been scandalized. Okay. Yes, for sure. It is inappropriate. Girl, you are not going to Beyonce concert. <laughs> well, I wish I was going to a Beyonce concert. But I, I am interested in thinking, like, that's just my opinion, just from being a teacher and just from, like, you know, doing that for 10 years and, like, what the expectations were. And what, you know, I knew what the expectations were. There are certain places that you work that there are expectations that you're not held to in other places, you know? Yeah. And so I think that uh, I would I'd be interested, though, in hearing our BA listeners' thoughts on her, you know, what they think about. Yeah, email us at the BA... Wait, what is her? Oh, I'm turning into you. Yes. Email us the BA pod. Wait, what the hell is our Gmail? Brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Oh my God, what is happening oh, to yeah, me? Yeah, because you know what? It's the BA po- at, at the BA podcast is Twitter, right? Yes. I just want to say if you own the at Brown Ambition Twitter handle, you are messing us up big time, okay? Because yes. you never tweet. <laughs> and I've sent a letter to Twitter to tell them you never, you have not tweeted since 2009. And why can't we have your Twitter handle? Okay. And it's just not fair. You're a Twitter squatter. And it's rude. They are. Super rude. But yeah, tell us what you think of Hot for Teacher or a Sexy Teacher. Um, email us at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, BA fam. This episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. 
They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. There you go. Right on cue. <laughs> <laughs> so right. breaking brown boosting yeah what do we got i see i feel like we ha- it's like double the pressure because we had to brown break and boost at dinner on friday we like did around <laughs> we did a round table boost and break i know <laughs> but uh i got a little something something okay you go first i was gonna give a boost i i need a boost from myself so i'm taking a break from coffee that's one thing i had that one week where i was like man i'm really anxious at work and i was working late and getting up early and i was like doping on the caffeine like i I had like an iv a central line to the coffee and i didn't grow up drinking coffee so it makes me really crazy and it makes all my anxieties and my stress just go through the roof um and i i can't sleep and i have i have tend to have more stress dreams when i'm on the caffeine so i'm taking a break from coffee and i'm trying to replace it with and don't judge me I've been getting green juices in the morning. Green juices that have like cucumber, celery, ginger, nothing fun. Spinach, a little green apple for some extra fun. And because I heard that you drink green juice that has ginger and that's kind of like vegetables in it, then it'll give you energy in the morning. Mm. It's been about four days and I can't exactly say that it's working. But what I will say is it it like stops me from eating like crappy food in the morning like I'm not really craving like bad sort of breakfast foods but I am hitting a wall at th- around 3 p.m. and I might I may have cheated and had a little green tea with some caffeine in it but <laughs> I've been sleeping a lot better that's good which is good and no more stress dreams but um yeah I was waking up at like three in the morning and then five in the morning and then six in the morning and just like you know not getting good sleep not a cute look so. I used to do like my own. I used to. Do you make your own smoothies? Are you buying them? Well, here's the thing. They're super expensive in New York. You can pay like twelve to fifteen dollars for a green juice. But my hidden secret is in Inwood. Everything is cheaper. So there's a little there's a little juice store down below us, right around the corner. And if I get there, they open at eight o'clock. So if I get there right at eight, it's only six dollars for a large green juice. Oh, so that's good. It's not that's so good. much more than my regular coffee, which was a four and five dollar daily habit. So I used to make my own, honestly, and that was really good. I used to make a green smoothie, and it would give me so much energy. I don't know why I don't do it anymore. Because it's a like, pain in the ass, that's why. It's yeah. so much cleanup. <laughs> I used to have a juicer, too, and you know why I stopped? Because it was a pain in the butt. I'd much rather pay someone a little $6 to make it for me and not I mean, to do zero I'm like, cleanup. Like, I'm like, Tiffany, what are you doing? Like, you know, I have plenty of time. I don't schedule any meetings before, like, 11. So I'm like, make it. So I'm going to try to get back into it because I used to make smoothies out of them. Like, I would put spinach, kale, um, peaches were my favorite with it. And um, I just – and it would be – honestly, it would taste really good. I would make it for Superman in the morning, and he would just be like, zing, 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 off to work. So what about you? Boosting or breaking? I'm going to take a break. I'm going to take a break from multitasking – not well i don't think i can ever fully take a break from multitasking but just to the extent that i have been doing so because i'm just looking and things are you know i've i've heard the studies that people have done that says you actually get less done when you multitask and i can see that 
depends. You know? So I found that, I mean, I mean, I don't know that you can live in 2016 and not be multitasking to a certain degree, but I have found that what I've been doing is too many big projects at once. And I never used to do that before. Before I would always have one main project when it, as it relates to my business. And then I would have like, you know, some like underlying smaller ones. But as it is right now, I've got like four big projects. I'm like, Tiffany, how? This is why things, and I'm, I see the difference and things are not going as well as, um, as they should be, you know, some things are actually declining and I'm like, okay. So I had to take a step. I always like, you know, take a step back. It's really important if you have a business or even if you're working someplace and I'm always taking stock in what's working, what's not working and being honest with myself when things are not doing well. I don't like living in denial. And I have a really great team and I really encourage them like, yo, the minute you see something's not working, I need you to tap me on the shoulder and say, girl, I'm in the trenches. This ain't working, you know? And mm -hmm. so my team knows we have an open door policy. So I say all that to say like, okay, um, I want to have a team meeting and to talk about what is our, even if it's week by week, like, well, what project are we going to work on this week? Okay. Then the next week, what does that look like? Because. I think that that would just do better for what I'm doing just because right now I'm just looking and I'm like, oh, there's so many things, Mandy. I'm like, how is this all going to get done? Like I'm speaking at FinCon next week. Ask me if I've written anything. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know. Meanwhile, I'm doing like a mini, like a mini keynote and I'm just like, oh my God, just because on top of everything, I haven't even bought my FinCon flight and I leave next week. Say what to who? Okay. I know. It's just Where's been this team of yours. The team. What have they been doing? I know. And the thing is, it's so crazy is that the team has been rocking out. It's not even the the part that I've, I've and I don't know if this is, if it's um, a mistake or I'm, I don't know if, if you own a business and you're listening, BA um, listeners, let me know. But the team has done so well that since they've come on, Mandy, I have grown like I've never grown before. And it's almost like I can't I can't keep up. It's like the 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 team alleviated so much of what I used to do before that it allowed me to grow the business. I mean, from last year to this year, we have grown times five. And usually I double my business every year. This year we've, I don't even know what the word, quintupled it. <laughs> That's the word. Um, as a result of the team. So it's not that the team is not working. It's like they're working almost too well. And now I'm like, I need more team. <laughs> so it's your fault, really. I know. Cause I'm like, so I'm like, okay, well, how do you, I don't want to slow down progress, but I also know that um, it, it's just a lot of great things. And how, how do you manage all of these great things? I, you know, like I, I know it's a good problem, so I'm definitely not complaining, but it's also something new for me because I'm used to growing at a speed that I can manage where I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, new, new, one good, good thing. Okay. Sierra handles that. Oh, Danita handles that. Now it's like, um, 10 good things. What are you going to do? You've got four new sponsorships, five new brand ambassadorships, you know, 10 new speaking engagements. And I'm like, wait, wait, this is great, but how houseway and, you know, family and boo time and supers you know spending time with supergirl and superman and cleaning the house and yeah so i'm just trying to figure out like what the um like what what systems i can put in place so the business continues to grow and i don't even know i mean i wish i could i don't really have a mentor i'm not even gonna lie like is it okay to say i i'm, I'm debating with do i do i want to grow more 
you know, I don't want to stop growth, but at the same time, I'm like, I don't want to grow so much that I, um, I don't have time for what's important. Do you know what I mean? I think this is a really important time for you because you'll figure it out and you'll figure out the right balance, but you have yeah. to kind of go through this storm to kind of like hit the wall and then figure it all out. You'll, you'll, you'll find the balance. You have to. Yeah, no, I know. It's just, I guess I'm just like, I don't want to not grow, but at the same time, I don't want to put put business before all else because I could do that, but at what cost? That's not, the budget Nisa doesn't mean more to me than my family, you know? You'll find out what's enough and what you can start saying no to. Yeah. You know, that was something that Ava DuVernay was talking about on with Tracy on another round, because right now she has, I mean, totally different industries, but she has Queen Sugar coming out and she's the first female black female director to get a hundred million dollar budget to to do the film A Wrinkle in Time for Disney, which she's scouting right now. And while she was doing all that, she was also doing that that documentary, The 13th Hour for Netflix. And she has like she was exactly saying what you were saying right now, like. I'm living my dream, but everything is happening all at once, and I am struggling. Yes, because you're like, what do you do? Because, you know, people are like, well, Tiffany, that's such a blessing. It is. It is a blessing. And I, so, and I can honestly say I'm not unhappy. I'm just like, okay. Like, in my inner Tiffany is like, um, you ever see, like, when girls play double dutch, and, like, right before you jump in, you do that back and forth, like, okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, so that's literally like... Sometimes you don't jump. Exactly. You're like, okay, do I jump in this rope? Okay, like, what should I back forth, back forth? And that's how I'm feeling. And I think what I usually like to do is I like to throw everything up against the wall. And and then I'll pick what I want to move forward with. But what's a little bit, what's harder now and is that usually I don't have to account. I don't have to hold anybody. um, I don't have to think of anybody else. So if I decide to cut something like, when I started in the beginning and something wasn't a fit, I can be like, I don't want to do that anymore. But now me saying I don't want to do that anymore means that maybe a team member doesn't have a job. And you're managing people now and people's jobs, dep- livelihoods are yeah. dependent upon that work. Yeah, I see why you're stressed. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I'd be stressed too. Hmm. Good luck with that. <laughs> oh, no, but honestly, it's dope though because you should see when we have our team meeting oh my god it is the best because all you see is these beautiful brown faces of women where you have our team meet like i would 90 percent of the staff is like women of color and like almost all of us are natural that wasn't like on purpose like hey you black girl with no perm you work for me <laughs> it's just that like when we were weeding and to find people who are great fit so i just love seeing like when we do like a like a google hangout and there's six of us and i'm like look at this how awesome is this that that the because they are a true reflection of who I serve women of color who mm-hmm. are largely ignored and here is a team of beautiful black women of color helping women of color worldwide to do better so I mean that trumps everything so you know like I said it's a good problem I'm, and I'll share like you know as I start to figure out what what the best solution is I will certainly share you know what what that's looking like and um because I know a lot of you want to start your own businesses and you know, so you can kind of see the good, the the bad, the ugly, the hard, the easy, you know. Well, thank you for being honest. No problem. I appreciate it. On behalf of our listeners. <laughs> thank you. So now it's time for tips. Um, I don't think we have any questions this week, but I did want to share some student loan stuff that I just learned. And I think that it will be helpful for our listeners who maybe have kids that you want to go to school or maybe you yourself want to kind of like reduce your student loan debt. 
So let me start with the whole get your kid to school for free. So um, I was working with this woman. Her name is Angela House. Housey? Housey? Something like that. Anyway, um, her site is the financial aid strategist. And Angela, I paid her to help me um, figure out a program to get rid of my student loan debt because I used to be a teacher. And I learned if I would have met Angela years ago, I owe $50,000. I would be, my student loans would be completely forgiven by now. Here's how. So when I lost my job in 2009, I could not afford my student loans. So I put them in deferment because I thought I'm being responsible. I'm not going to default, which means not pay. I will instead delay, which is defer. So that's what I did. I deferred, I deferred, I deferred up until basically like a couple years ago. So I was actually paying, I paid about three years worth of student loan debt. Had I known better, what I would have done back then is instead of defer, I should have applied for income-based repayment. And what that would have done was I was making nothing. So my repayment based upon my income would have been $0 or like $10 a month. You had and federal, most of your debt was federal? Yes. This is, oh, sorry. Yes. Thank yeah. you for that. Yes. So my debt is all federal. Okay. Um, so this is for federal people with federal student loans. And so I should have done income-based repayment and I could have paid like next to nothing because I wasn't making any money for a number of years. So now I have, I'm trying to think from 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, that would have been eight years of payment. Now, because I was a teacher after year 10, my loan is forgiven. Had I enrolled in loan forgiveness, and, 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 and enrolled in income-based repayment. Public, which means, public student loan forgiveness public, for yes, people who public. work in public service. Yes. So like whether you work for a nonprofit, you work, you know, you're like a police officer, you know, for me as a teacher. And so I found out, I was like, oh, so basically I could have only had three more years left to pay, but because I was deferred and I was not making a payment, you have to make a payment, even if it's $0 a month for 10 years. So instead, I only paid three years, so I still have seven more years on my student loan forgiveness track. And I was just like, oh man, I wish I would have known. But the good thing that she did help me with is I enrolled in student loan forgiveness, I, I um, consolidated my loans, so instead of paying 25 years, because I was on a 25 year plan with student loan folks, so now I'm on a seven-year plan, which I only have, because I, I paid, out of my 10 years for forgiveness, I paid three. So I'm on a seven-year plan instead of 25 years where I was before. So for the life of the loan, I would have paid about $172,000. And now for the life of the loan, if I continue on my track, I'll pay about 48000 So basically, I saved $124,000 over the life of the loan, making this change. And so I say all that to say that if you have federal loans and you cannot afford to pay, Instead of deferring or forbearance, really look into income-based repayment because your repayment might be zero dollars. Yeah, but real quick though, so public student loan forgiveness, how can you qualify for that now? So if you, I know, I was like, wait, how did that work? So I, because I was a teacher for for ten over 10 years. So they said, like, I don't know, they're giving me credit for being a teacher for those years. I didn't apply then. Um, and so when I got on the phone with uh, uh, federal, oh, don't give me the, the name of the agency, federal, whatever government agency was handling my student loans, she called with me. But I had been I had been a school teacher for for that length of time. So she said he he told me on the phone that I could still apply um, and, you know, lock mm -hmm. in my rate now and um, and pay for the next seven years. So I said, OK. And then, two, because I work with the United Way, too, he was like, let's just say when you apply, because you still have to be 
you know, they still have to kind of give me the stamp of okay. But because I work with the United Way, if the United Way kind of signs off and says Tiffany works with us, then I can go that route as well. Because I currently work with the United Way. So I was like, okay. Gotcha, so, gotcha. yeah, so there's that. And then, so one thing I, I thought was interesting too, like, let's just say you're trying to get your, your student into college for free. So Angela was telling me about this, um, the scholarship called the gold medal scholarship that's if you if you take the act and you score a certain score i don't remember what the score is and she was saying that start your eighth grader when your child is in eighth grade practicing the act so like a uh, lots of times um during uh testing time libraries or different nonprofit organizations will will allow your child to take a uh, practice test for the acts and that to get your child from eighth grade to 11th grade to take as many practice tests as possible because <clears throat> a lot of that those testing especially SATs and ACTs it's really about practice and get your child to take that test as many times as possible from 8th grade to 11th grade so when they take it in 12th grade they score the highest possible score that they can and if they reach a certain score level you get the the gold medal scholarship is $44,000 in scholarship money for college a year so basically, free college, because I mean, you know, there's not too many schools that are more, if you stay home, at least $44,000 a year. So I thought that was really smart. Like, you know, I never thought about that, that practicing for this test way in advance, getting your child all geared up and, you know, working toward um, something like a scholarship like that. She had a whole bunch of stuff. She was also telling me, like, if you're, let's just say you're an usher at a church and you volunteer, and I think she said 250 hours a year which I don't know how many days that is, but if you usher your deacon or whatever, there's actually a grant that you can apply for. And it's like $5,200. Your pastor signs off and says, yes, this person volunteers with us and you can apply for this grant and it's free money because you, you're of service to your church or a nonprofit because you give this much of your time. They were just, it just, there's so many things. It's like the scholarship guy. Remember that guy on TV? The scholarship guy. Yeah, it was like, um, he'd be like, there's a scholarship for that. I remember being a kid and there was also this guy on TV that would, had like the scholarship book. And he would be like, this is are you left-handed? There's a scholarship for that. Are you a mom? There's a scholarship for that. Um, there really but, are. You know, our fairy money godmother, Lynette, has a really good book. Yeah. Um, I'm forgetting the name of it now. It's, <laughs> just go to askthemoneycoach.net. You can see the yeah. name of the book. But um, she, you know, her, she came on. I interviewed her at Yahoo when I was there. Um, she saved her daughter, golly, almost she, her daughter earned a half a million dollars in mm -hmm. college scholarships across all the colleges that she was accepted to. Um, and I feel like my family was one of those families who, you know, when I was in high school, I dreamed of going to Columbia and NYU. And my mom's answer was like, there's no way we can afford that not happening and go to a state school. Now, everything worked out for me. I went to a great school. But at the same time, I wish we had known that, you know, there are ways you can make really expensive schools affordable. There are scholarships. There are, you know, different forms of financial aid um, out there. And the net price that you end up paying after all that is a lot lower than what the sticker price looks like. Um, and, it, and it can be possible. Yeah. So just knowing, like, I just, it for me, just, you know, even though, you know, I talk about financial education, Student loans, that's just not my, that's not my specialty. So just figuring out like, oh, a little bit of research, a little bit of digging. And so I just thought that that was like, oh, who knew? 
I mean, it's so the federal government has made it so complicated. And I know because I've been covering student loans for as long as I've been a personal finance reporter for like seven years now. And Mm -hmm. they there is now four or five different repayment plans, income based repayment plans out there. And they're all slightly different and they're all slightly confusing. Um, (laughs) But if you're interested in income based repayment and it can be a great way to get more affordable payments, um, you know, if you're struggling to pay off your federal student loan debt, now federal only because private student loan de- doesn't qualify, yeah. um, call the lender and you may have two or three different student lenders who are working with your loans, but call each of them and ask them about your options for income-based repayment um, and whether you qualify and how low your payments will be. Um, and there's like some student, some income-based plans are 10 years and there's a 15 one and then a 20 and a 25. and of course, the longer your payment plan is, like Tiffany, you said yours was 25, um, your payments may be a lot lower. But yeah, you have to think about all that interest that you're paying because you have such a long term um, for the loan. And public student loan forgiveness, here's one thing that people don't know about, including my fiance, who I had to tell about this. So he works for the government. He's been working there for seven, eight years now. Um, but you have to ask to be enrolled in those sorts of programs. Yeah. Like it doesn't automatically happen. Um, yep. So if you're a teacher or you work for the government and you just think you're making these payments, um, your your employer's not telling the Department of Education, hey, you know, Susie has been making payments, she's public student loan forgiveness. You have yep. to actually call your lender, make sure you're enrolled, and then every year you're um, you have to you have to re-enroll. Like every year you have to re-enroll for income-based repayment, and every year you have to call them back and make sure that your year's worth of um, student loan payments have been applied to your 120 payments for public student loan forgiveness. Um, so don't forget that you have to reapply, re-enroll. Yeah, you no, know, I just assumed I'm like, well, what, why wouldn't they know that I was like, you know, a, a teacher? She was like, no, girl, you have to, you have to sign up for that. And I was like, oh. It's just so much adulting. <laughs> it's not that you I mean it's not hard. You just have to call your lender. And I do want to throw a word of caution out there since we're on the subject. Um, at Magnify Money, we have people send us questions, dozens of questions every day. We get so many questions from people who say, hey, I got a phone call or hey, I saw a Facebook ad for United States Student Loan Forgiveness Program. And, you know, they wanted me to pay $400 and they'll enroll me in um, a student loan forgiveness program. I'm like, oh, you mean the public student loan forgiveness program that is free for anybody to enroll by themselves without a company helping them? There's all these scams out there where they they convince you to pay them hundreds of dollars for something you can do yourself, which I just said, which is to call your lender and say, hey, hi enroll me in income-based repayment, or hey, hi, enroll me in public student loan forgiveness. Um, there are these companies out there, and they always have a very official sounding name, like United States Student Loan Forgiveness Program. A lot of them have Barack Obama's face by them, or an American flag, and their websites look all legit, but they're scams. They really are. I mean, you should not be paying hundreds of dollars for something you can do for free. <sighs> this life, I tell you. Sometimes you're just like, oh, just when you think you read, it's like a, a video game. Just when I think I've gotten to level, like, you know, level three, you're like, oh, God, there's 20 levels to this game? <laughs> but it's a good thing you have federal debt. That's what I'm, I mean, those I people know. with private student loan debt, I mean, the best you can hope for is to refinance your debt at a lower rate because there's yeah. just not as many, options. you know, options out there. People like, man, stay away from those if you can. Private student loans are like, oh, those are the worst. I'm just thankful that my dad was like, do not. It's hard, you know, if you go to graduate school, I mean, yes. a lot of times you max out your federal student debt allowance and you have to go to private debt. 
I mean, there's a, and, a, and this is getting the gap between what tuition and financial aid cover and how much um, colleges cost now is getting bigger and bigger. And it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you feel it? Parents Grad getting parent really plus loans? No, you're right. I, I have to say that I don't even know how I was able to do it because I have um, my graduate degree and I don't know how I was able to go, maybe because I went to, uh, I went to school right here in New Jersey, but I don't, I don't have any private loans, although I use loans for my graduate degree like my my undergrad i had um loans but honestly it wasn't that much so i paid them off really like a year or two after school i think i'd owed like ten thousand dollars because my parents paid and um you know i always paid the interest each semester and so i didn't owe that much but it's really my graduate degree that i'm still paying for and i'm just like oh it's, it's the only debt i have i don't have credit card debt i don't have a mortgage i don't have anything else just these daggone student loans and if you guys have any student loan questions, I'm surprised we don't get as many student loan questions as we do about like 401ks and stuff. But you guys should email us at um, <laughs> brownambitionpodcast.gmail.com. Brown I got it. It's not fair. I'm off coffee now. I'm off my A game. <laughs> That's right. I'm going to pick up the slack. I haven't had my green juice either yet. <laughs> oh, man. So you want to end with some wins? I know the wins that we're going to do, right? We're going to have some some wins from our... Oh, right. Yeah. So at the end of the show, so I'm going to do, I have another win, but at the end of the show, I wanted to, so the contest that we ran to have our listeners come to our anniversary dinner, um, part of that was writing us a letter and telling us what Brown Ambition meant to them. And it was a very vague prompt. (laughs) Sorry for that. But um, the girls that we invited, the women we invited had some really heartfelt things to say about Brown Ambition. And um, I invited some of them to uh, record themselves reading a bit of their letters. So we're going to share that with you guys at the end of the show. So we'll end on a very, very high, high note and hopefully inspirational. Um, but separately, I wanted to give a win, just a shout out. Um, I have a lot of um, a lot my 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 journalist friends who are out there. They've been all in. It seems like everyone is in D.C. right now. Every African-American reporter in America is in D.C. now because the opening it's the opening of the National Museum of African-American History and Culture. Um, in DC. So it's, it's, it's huge. And the museum looks incredible. I cannot wait to go, you know, Oprah put a lot of money into the museum. So you know, it's going to be right. Um, And just I think there's a lot of good coverage of the museum opening. And from what I've seen of the exhibits, it's, it's not like a, it's not a comfortable history of African Americans in America, it seems quite like you see the shackles that, you know, were used that, um, you know, were used on slaves alongside, um, you know, oh, this is one exhibit I saw, Thomas Jefferson. Um, there's like this big, you know, regal statue of Thomas Jefferson, but behind him is the name of all the slaves that he owned. Um, and that's the kind of stuff you don't see a lot of. It's yeah. like America's history is very positive, but it's also very dark. And I yes. think it's. You know, it's it seems like one of those museums where you want to spend hours and hours walking around and like letting everything sink in. But uh, I can't wait to go. One exhibit I really want to see that I saw posted on Facebook. Uh, it, it, it's a newspaper clipping that said something to the effect of six hundred dollars for the rape for the rape of his wife. And I was like, what? So apparently um, a woman had been walking home. This is like old Jim Crow segregated South had walked home and was kidnapped by uh, six white men and raped. And um, the husband went to the police and, you know, filed complaint and they went to trial. But of course, they were acquitted by a jury of their peers. And um, but the judge did offer six hundred a hundred dollars for each man that had raped his wife. 
And I'm like, D- I, when you hear stuff like that, you just think to yourself like, what? How? I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes you, do you ever just get like, you're just like, what are you supposed to do with this emotion when you read something like that or you see something like that? What am I supposed to do with this emotion? Am I supposed to break this window? Am I supposed to flip over a card? Because that's how much rage or sadness or anger you feel. And you're like, and then when people don't acknowledge that this is happening and this is still happening and people are like, cause sometimes I write stuff on my Facebook page and I have some of my, my, my white friends from Westfield will write something like, like I had some, I said something about black girls rock and this girl was like, I just wish it wasn't black. All of our girls rock. I wanted to strangle her and be like, girl, shut up. Like, can't you see beyond your own foolishness? We know all girls rock, but black girls have been told otherwise. That's why this exists. It's not that your girls don't rock. Your girls have always been taught that they rock. They're white, but our girls have not. I think it's, you shouldn't feel obligated to explain the way you feel to people who don't get it. And I think that's, you know, that's that racial syndrome fatigue. Um, (laughs) What's it called again? Racial. I'm calling in black today. I can't, I can't, I'm not going to. Yeah. Um, But, you know, I just went and saw, um, I went to an advanced screening of the movie Loving, which is about the famous Supreme Court case, um, Rich or Robert Loving um, and his wife, Mildred, were an interracial couple in Mm. Virginia. And this was back in the civil rights area, so in the 60s. Um, And as you know, I'm a biracial baby. Um, I was 80s baby, just 20 years after they went through this. And it was it was really hard to watch this movie because, you know, well, I. It's like you feel the rage of this couple who are in love and all they they are country people. They just want a little house in the woods, not bothering anybody with their babies and just to live a nice, simple life. And they were dragged into the national conversation and, you know, uh, threatened and thrown in jail just for loving each other. And you want to get outraged. And it's like a it's a mixture of outrage, but it's also like defeatism in the, in the sense that like well it's 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 already happened like you yeah. your outrage isn't really helping them you know they've both passed away <laughs> since then um and then i guess gratitude for what they went through as a couple because if they hadn't gone through that my parents never would have been able to get married mm-hmm. and it was hard enough for my mom and dad in the 80s you know just 20 years after that it was hard enough for them even though it was legalized so i can't imagine what it was like um for that couple and i guess you just have to replace it with the i guess a sense of gratitude for the struggle people went through um to make life easier for us today and then um we just have to do whatever we can to continue that to that continue that journey because you know everything's not fixed today there still is a long way to go um and i think like honestly i feel like when when you have that rage you don't have to replace it i feel like then i for me what i told myself is that okay that this is what i tell my sisters too when they get mad at something so what are you going to do you know, meaning like what constructive thing take that anger and to create a solution, you know, in your small little corner of the world. It's one of the reasons why I do the budgetista. I mean, people are like, you know, is it only for black women? No, it's not. But do I th- it's you know, I'm inclusive. But am I specifically did I start specifically because people were ignoring us? For sure. Ninety nine percent of the women are black. I didn't put out a call. Hey, black women come this way. But I know that like, yes, finally, there's something um, that's speaking to this population. So it's like I try to take that anger and say, well, what can I do to make where I am, this small little corner of the world, what can I do to make that better? You know? Yeah. We got we got some pushback when we had 
from a couple people I talked to when we first launched the podcast. And when I said we were calling it Brown Ambition and a couple people asked me, well, aren't you worried about alienating, you know, people who aren't of color? And I was like, no, not at all. (laughs) The world is yours. (laughs) The world, you got it. You got it going on. You know what? Go to, go to the top hundred business podcasts and tell me how many brown faces you see. All, all uh, the rest of them, podcast is you. So yeah. this one little brown podcast, if you can listen, we will welcome you. But I don't think having this one little podcast is going to be a drop in the bucket of literally every other podcast out there. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yes, we are brown. And it's. I think that we are looking at it from a position of inclusiveness. Inclusiveness. Yeah. Bringing people to the conversation, you know, acknowledging that we have the same financial and career and business questions that everyone else has, mm-hmm. um, but may not be getting the same kind of um, advice and the same kind of education as other people out there. So, did you want to end on an extra, extra high note and have our beautiful, amazing BA listeners that won dinner with us read their their letters that that got them chosen? They got chose. They got chose. Yeah. So this is what um, our listeners said Brown Ambition means to them. Brown Ambition came into my life while I was in the PR marketing industry. I was commuting from Jamaica, Queens to Manhattan and so thankful that I had you two to accompany me on my commute. Being a part of the Brown Ambition family encourages me to keep striving for what I desire, and it is exciting to know that there is a community of women experiencing the same and uplifting one another along the way. Brown Ambition has taught me to aggressively go after what I want. As Tiffany has once said, and I'm sure has said numerous times, I'm dope. Your personal testimonies on careers and relationships have been nothing but inspiring and have kept me going when I wanted to tap out. My Tuesday ritual after lunch is listening to Brown Ambition. As a wine educator turned biotech employee, I am encouraged to hear another career switcher thriving in her second field of interest. I also enjoyed the discussions amongst you all because it reminds me of conversations I have with my best friend Lauren, who is also a listener. Whether living with in-laws, anticipating a proposal, or celebrating each other's successes, y'all embody the ambitious Black millennial woman's experience. As you can see, I could write a book, but I'll cut this short. I love you guys with much ambition and brown skin poppin', Kristen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.